China's National People's Congress concluded its annual meeting on Friday, and Premier Li Keqiang closed out the event with the presentation of the annual government work report. So, to get the roundup of the main takeaways from the meeting and from the report, we are on the line with our senior director in Beijing, Li Peizhang. From the U.S. China Business Council in Washington, D.C., I'm Ian Hutchinson, and this is the China Business Minute. Li Peizhang is our senior director in our Beijing office. Li Pei, welcome back. Hello, Ian. Thanks for having me today. All right. So the National People's Congress concluded last week. Can you give us a bit of a rundown of what some of the main takeaways from the event were? China's two sessions, which we called Lianghui, were just concluded last Friday on March 11th. Since the pandemic started in 2020, China has shortened the meeting from two weeks to seven days. The two sessions were one of the most important political events to gather thousands of CPPCC and NPC representatives across the country to review its state report and set a political and a domestic agenda for the year. This year, the two sessions were hosted under the unprecedented challenges, both domestically and internationally. Beijing is working very hard to ensure a successful conclusion of Beijing Winter Olympics and Far Olympics when increasing Omicron cases have been founded everywhere in the in this country. Externally, despite ongoing tension and competition with Washington D.C., China was questioned and criticized externally by its position of standing on the sidelines of the Ukraine crisis. Given its strong political tie with Russia, Li Keqiang, at his last year of his service as the premier, presented the annual state report and participated in the premier's press conference. He set the tone clear: China will face increasing uncertainties and challenges. Thus, stability comes first. China sets GDP targets around 5.5 annual growth of 2022. Further down from six percent projected for 2021, the target was set before Ukraine crisis. But the increasing geopolitical tension may further disrupt China's economic plans. The party also sets a long-term vision for China to reach the level of moderately developed countries by 2035. Thus. Maintain a steady annual GDP growth rate around 5.5 percent is also critical to achieve the long-term vision. The 20th Party Congress, likely to be hosted in October, is the most important political event of this year. Therefore, stability is more than anything to ensure that both political and economic agenda are under the control. So far, the steady growth around 5.5 may be still within its reach if China faithfully implement the measures and adjust it timely. But ultimately, these may come with a higher cost than expected. All right, so let's talk trade a bit.、Um, obviously, not an insignificant driver of China's economy. What's the、uh, the status of of exports at the minute? The geopolitical tension. Complexing compliance requirements, varied COVID control measures at localities, and important inflation are all possible factors to impact on trade. These will increase the cost of raw material. These might also cause the shortage of energy consumption and international logistic disruption.
which ultimately can interrupt global supply chain that China is highly integrated in. The good thing is that China has relatively comprehensive and a complete supply chain for manufacturing, as well as a large market that is challenging to be replaced elsewhere and become more mature. This has been tested and approved during the pandemic for the past two years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we also had some new retail spending data out as of today, I believe. I think it was up six point seven percent in the first two months of the year. So, what's the landscape for consumer spending looking like? Domestic consumption is not fully covered yet, especially due to China's dynamic zero COVID policy. Service sectors such as tourism, retails, restaurants, SMEs are still heavily impacted. Consumers' sentiment and behaviors. Of spending is also being shaped and influenced because of all the uncertainties. How about investment then? 2021 was a robust year for market regulation. We've seen strengthened and aggressive regulatory tools on the internet platforms, education, real estate, data governance, cybersecurity, financial sectors, and decarbonization. There are indeed legitimate concerns need to be addressed by Chinese government, but this also resulted unintended consequences of economic slowdown. China is also facing several major social issues: the increasing aging population, unemployment uncertainties, and increasing gap between the rich and the poor. What China can do? China wants to achieve high-quality growth driven by consumption and a self-generated growth model. In another word, to achieve domestic economic resilience, to encounter the increasing external uncertainties. There are many buzzwords we've heard so far, such as dual circulation, common prosperity, core technology self-reliance, preventing disorderly use of capital. Rural revitalization. These are all the tools that China would like to pursue to further shape and reform its structure and economic system. China should create a better capital flows through its monetary and fiscal policy. Many efforts to maintain economic stability this year are focusing on supply side measures, such as extending tax reductions. Providing flexible employment services, increasing access to financing for small medium enterprises, and increasing government expenditure on infrastructure. It also includes the continued expanding income tax refund to increase the purchasing power. China should also avoid undesired policy implica- implication to the market and the economy. Especially lessons learned from aggressive approach on decarbonization in Q4 of 2021. At least, President Xi himself noted that a sustainable approach should be identified before fully replacing traditional energy resource with green solutions across all areas and all all localities. In that regard, it should depend on local situation. With normal production also prioritized, China should also look for new growth in rural area. Last year, the party declared its success in eliminating poverty, thus 
poverty alleviation has been replaced by rural revitalization. As the new phase of rural development, the report reflects China's rural policy shift from increasing income gain in agriculture to supporting the development of modern industry and the digital economy. Together with China's efforts in improving social welfare and health system in the rural area, this reflects China's intent to reach its long-term goal of common prosperity. Mm-hmm. And, and how about foreign investment specifically? In looking at foreign investment policy specifically, China continues welcoming foreign investments, committing to market openings and the CPTPP. However, this year there might be less to be expected to call further market access liberalization. China updated its foreign negative list in December last year to be aligned with Phase One Agreement, which only includes 31 items. The market access liberalization always being negotiated in the bilateral or multilateral agreements. Without effective platforms, the hard bones issues are almost impossible to address. The state report sets a more practical goal, calling for feasible implementation of foreign investment law to ensure national treatment and fair competition for foreign investment. Okay, so I know we had a COVID update from Melinda last week, but were there any major updates you've heard about this week that you want to add? There is a mixed pictures. The state report didn't have any indication on the potential policy shifting from zero COVID policy to a more open, tolerant policy. At the same time, National Health Commission released a pilot po- policy setting up the mechanism to allow antigen tests available to the public with. Easy access at drug retail stores in responding to the fast-spreading Omicron cases. Dr. Zhang Wenhong published an article this week, provided opinions on why China can't reopen soon and what can be done before reopen without a timeline, as he believes all of the preconditions are still not fully ready for China. Which could break the balance between public healthy security and economic stabilities that China achieved so far. His suggestion on what to be done before reopen includes: systemic measures could be taken to face the lasting pandemic. Specifically, China should encourage elderly to take the third vaccine shot, improve vaccination strategies. Provide oral medication and affordable test kits at home. Establish effective diagnosis and treatment strategies. Refine home quarantine procedures. Establishing a mature pandemic prevention system, and also provide abundant medical resources. So I think I have covered all the major issues that I'd like to share here, and.、Um, Look forward to our next chat on the podcast. All right, thanks very much for that roundup, Li Pei. Thank you. Again, Li Pei Zhang is our senior director in Beijing. The China Business Minute is a production of the U.S. China Business Council, and you can always learn more about the work that we do on our website, uschina.org. If you like the show, please do leave it a rating and review, as it will always help other people find it. And as always, thanks very much for listening, and we will be back next week.